to Building Stronger Creatives, a fitness podcast for musicians, artists, nerds, and former misfits. I'm a former out-of-shape professional musician turned personal trainer and nutrition coach to hundreds of clients, and I'll give you no-nonsense information about what it really takes to get and stay fit within the context of a creative life. Here, you'll find practical advice on strength and endurance training, sane and simple nutrition, habit building, and time management tools to help you make lifestyle changes that actually stick. Most fitness coaches have no clue what it really means to be a creative, whether you're a professional or a passionate hobbyist. I'm different. I've been where you are, and I share your values. Let me show you how you can use the gym to build a kick-ass creative life. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Building Stronger Creatives. I'm your host, Caroline Juster, and today we have a guest on the show. I'm really excited to speak with Will Baker. Will and I actually go way back. He was, I think, doing his master's in the first part of my undergrad at Northwestern. I think that's right. And um, he was always a super cool guy to have in the studio, and it's been really cool to see his career develop and also, as we're going to talk a lot about today, to see how fitness and health and wellness have been a big part of his life as well. So uh, I'm really excited for you to hear more from Will. So Will, if you don't mind, tell the audience a little bit more about who you are and what you do. Yeah. Well, thanks first for having me. Um, I'm really stoked about uh, your podcast. I love how it's like a combination of like two of my biggest loves of, of uh, music uh, or creativity or creative people. And then also in fitness, I think they're really um, uh, can be closely tied and like maybe should be closely tied for people. So love that, that uh, what you're doing. And um, but so as for me, I um, mostly play trombone. I play trombone and bass trombone and I teach um, lessons professionally and teaching for a variety of um, age ranges. When I first started teaching, I had mostly middle schoolers and a couple high schoolers and now um, a, an occasional middle schooler, but mostly high schoolers or college level. And then some, uh, some like lovely uh, elderly folks too, which is pretty fun. And then I mostly perform, like my main um, job, I guess you could say, is performing in orchestras primarily. It tends to be um, where I get my, most of my work. And the yeah, I uh, love playing and uh, I've been having more and more fun every year and just, uh, you know, trying to get better. So yeah, that's that's mainly what I do. And then uh, I've got my little little family, little growing family. My son is almost four and my um, wife is pregnant with our second one that's coming in August. It's very exciting. So a uh, lot of lot of fun at home, but also some some uh, source of motivation, for sure. But that's basically my life right there. <laughs> yeah, you have a lot going on for sure. It seems like lately you've been playing a lot with the San Francisco Symphony. Is that yes. fair to say? Yeah, a good amount. The um, they had their bass trombonist of like thirty plus years retired during COVID, and I had worked in a little bit um, as he was starting to phase out a little bit, and then when he retired they you know they play like shoot like 50 weeks a year so they have lots and lots of concerts and so there was a a void you know created by his uh, retiring and then the and i had since i've been working in i got a little bit of the mix of the openings and then they had an audition almost or a little over a year ago and ended up um, not hiring anybody and so that void has continued 
and um, the I've developed like a relationship with the people in the section. One of our friends, Nick Platoff, uh, who was your year at Northwestern, is also in the That's section. Right, another classmate. Yeah, um, is in the section, and um, and since I've gotten some chances to play there, I feel like I've really grown into the role a little bit and kind of trying to figure out what how to how to well yeah how to fill the role, and so they like having me. So um, I've gotten to play a bunch with them. It's been really fun, um, amazingly rewarding, and. Now, I, the last step for me is to just finally uh, get my stuff together and win the gig next time the audition comes around. So, <laughs> so Have they announced an audition yet for it or still up in the not air? Not yet, but I think it's it's probably going to get announced pretty soon. I'm mentally guessing it'll be next orchestra season, so sometime in like the fall or something or, or uh, early winter. So, um, yeah, just getting ready. Got it. Yeah, it's been very cool watching you and other people I know in the symphony recently going on tour and doing all kinds of cool stuff. So um, I love that for you. So I want to talk with you a lot about the role that fitness plays in your life. And as a little like back up to that, a lot of people listening to the show will know my story, which is that I got in shape when I was at Northwestern. That process happened in the studio and actually uh, a lot of other people in the studio went through a similar kind of fitness transformation, which is pretty cool. But if I recall, you, right when I met you, were already someone who was like in pretty good shape into exercise and training. And I'm just curious, like how far back movement, exercise, fitness goes for you? Like, how did you first get into that stuff? Do you have any kind of like fitness origin story? Like, when did that all start for you? I can remember actually like pretty vividly. There's a, we used to visit my uncle in Santa Barbara in the summers. And I think I was maybe 13 or 14 years old. We had gone to the summer to see my uncle and, you know, played on the beach a lot. And I, my parents got like a picture printed out or they're, you know, we're looking through the photos of the, uh, of the trip. And there was a picture of me like sitting in my board shorts with like long hair and sitting in my board shorts, like kind of playing in the sand. And I was like sitting down and looking up or something. And I just had like, just belly roll, belly roll, belly roll. And it like just hit me like a, thunderbolt in that moment I was like oh my god like I'm fat like I don't I don't want to look I don't want to look like that and and my uh my brother uh I'm I'm the youngest of three kids and my brother um at the time was at UC Berkeley playing baseball he was a division one baseball player like really really a phenomenal athlete and works really hard and so I was like you know, I've, I kind of have a little, I'll tell, talk about that later in terms of motivation, but a little bit of like little brother slash Napoleon complex, because I always feel small compared to, to my big brother. But, um, I had this example of like a division one athlete there. And then I like looked at that picture and I was like, oh my gosh, like <laughs> there's a big disconnect here. And so that was the beginning. I, that was like the desire, the desire to change myself was the biggest thing. And it was from that picture. I think there was probably also some social stuff. You know, I was little, I was pretty small. I didn't grow much until my junior or senior year in high school. So like when I came into high school as, uh, I don't know what age that is, but right around that time, you know, like 14 or something, I was, you know, five foot five, like 165 or 170 pounds and just kind of like a soft little squishy kid and played in band and, you know, like the the girls that I liked didn't really pay attention to me, you know, and I was like, I could kind of hang in my team sports of baseball and basketball, mostly in baseball because I was a catcher. You didn't have to like be fast. It was more like skill dependent. And so I just uh, had a desire to start to like to change myself for a bunch of reasons. And so I, when my brother would, um, he would go to school 
but he was close. He was at UC Berkeley, which is only like 20, 25 minutes away from where we live, where I grew up in Walnut Creek. And I asked him, I said, Hey, I want to start to like work out and, and get, you know, get fit and get strong and, and change myself. And so he was kind of my uh, mentor a little bit at the beginning and continues to be actually, I just went on a walk with my son and we were, and my brother called me and we were talking about like, we were geeking out over a thing that he bought for like his little garage gym and, and he's looking for hanging, you know, ab straps. He was like, Hey, do you know any good brands? So we were like talking about that in our, in our training stuff. Cause we kind of geek out on that still. So he was a, a huge mentor for me, just kind of getting me going. And when he would come home in the summer, we would usually just go to the gym together and kind of work out together. And I would just copy what he did. So I feel really lucky to have that example and that, um, that start, you know, I felt really safe and, uh, asking questions and being a total noob, you know, um, and just, uh, trying to copy him. And so he kind of got me going and then, and things continued as high school went on and there became some more fitness and stuff involved in my sports, you know, like we would have some gym time and, um, in PE class or in, you know, for the baseball team later in my high school time. And then I really took off when I got to UCLA. I had now grown to be like almost six feet tall. And like, so I started to be a little more proportional, like what I wanted to be. We had this beautiful gym on campus and I had also had control of my food for the first time. Although my mom was an amazing cook, so it definitely was not her fault by any means. I just wasn't very active. Um, I was like, you know, I didn't like to run and I played catcher and stuff. So I was, that's, that's what had brought me to that 13 year old self. But once I got to UCLA, eating in the, um, in the dorm cafeteria was amazing. There was so many options and I remember, I don't remember what prompted it, but I, I remember going and like, I would basically have like, this is way before, you know, Mark Sisson and, and paleo primal stuff that came later for me, but I like would mo mostly eat big salads with a bunch of chicken and, you know, occasionally dabble around in different stuff. And, but I swore that I would, I would never eat, drink soda unless it was chasing shots. That was my like college <laughs> rule. That was the only time I would have soda. And I remember seeing a bunch of people having all this soda. And then, you know, you hear about the freshman 15 and sure enough, it, it hit everybody. Although for me, because I was working out and not drinking a bunch of extra empty calories or maybe less empty calories than everyone else, I kind of slowly started to like get a little bit of muscle mass. And it was just a regular part of my life going to and from the dorms, you pass right by the gym. So it was so easy to work into my life. I don't really remember the programs that I did uh, at all. It was probably kind of like bodybuilding-ish, but it was it was very much just like normal uh, to, to work out. Me and my and a, another music buddy, a trumpet player would go together, um, or sometimes like a, one of my other friends, we'd go together and, and get our stuff in and try to get stronger. And, and then the it was actually at Northwestern where I feel like I, solidified my like the habit and the love for it my brother had gotten injured actually in baseball and when he was he would always play at like he's about maybe about my height six foot six one and he would usually play at around like 240 he's a little like stockier than me a little bit broader and he had gotten injured and when he was trying to recover from the injury, he was trying to get inflammation down. He ran into like a paleo diet type thing. He ran into the, the, the primal blueprint book. And so he adjusted how he was eating and got rid of some potentially inflammatory foods and was eating and changed his eating a little bit more protein and fat and less carbohydrates. And he like slimmed down like crazy and went to see him in Milwaukee actually, uh, cause he, they were playing the Brewers and, uh, went to see him and he looked like Christian Bale from American psycho, just like, so he looked so thin. I was like, oh, he was like 195 pounds, like 40 pounds less than what I had seen him 
I was like, dude, what are you doing? You know? And he's like, oh man, I just, I keep eating fat and I just keeps, I can't keep weight on. It just keeps falling off. And, and he's like, you should check out this book. And so I, I read the primal blueprint and, um, that was pretty life changing for me. Cause I had, it gave me a little bit more of an idea of like, um, how I should eat, like be a little more purposeful about my eating or something to at least experiment with. The, the concepts are just so simple. There's, there's not really a lot of like super hard rules, um, but the concepts are really simple about some balance and, and maybe why things, also a little bit of why um, things might work for somebody. And then also the exercise was like a simple idea, simple idea, like basically lift heavy, run fast, take breaks, you know, try to have fun and, you know, don't get hurt. And around that time, I also started to really get into, um, along with like some, some of the dietary experimentation from that, I was riding my bike at school, like to and from classes. And then I got into more of like a powerlifting sort of um, thing from uh, starting strength. So I was just more focused on trying to build up my squat, deadlift, bench press, overhead press, weighted pull-ups. And that was when I realized that was like a big awakening for me because what I was doing was so simple. It was like my, my goals in the gym were like, basically I had like one exercise I was doing that was like the work. If I had no time and I just went and did that one thing, whatever it was that day, squat or something, and then left, that was a win. I still would make progress. But if I had enough time to like do my squat and then do it, just a couple accessory things to support it, uh, I felt really great and I would slowly continue progressing. And, and so that was when I like really kind of changed from kind of adolescent like more of a some of like a boy body into like more of like a man where I like filled out and balanced out and I was amazed by the simplicity and just kind of loved it so my training has always been a little bit of kind of based off of that although it's definitely changed a lot because now I'm almost 35 and um, so I do things differently but the same kind of general um, general structure and general goals but that's kind of my fitness fitness story from start to finish there's been a bunch of a bunch of experimentation along the way, but those are kind of the big, the big things. Yeah, I love that. I think it's pretty cool. I mean, is it fair to say that when you had that initial awakening, ever since then you've been training consistently in some capacity? Did you ever have any period where you really fell away from it, or has it sort of always been a part of your life since then? It's always been a part of my life. I'd say the there was one maybe period because I so after Northwestern, after I finished my master's, my first job was at a gym. Um, before I had playing work and a bunch of teaching work. I worked front desk at a gym at Andersonville. I don't think it's open anymore, but it's this beautiful gym called No No Limits. Amazing name with the homonym at the beginning. And it was just run by the, this one, the, one, the lady that opened it. And there were a couple other people like me that ran the front desk. It was only one employee at a time. It was this little like neighborhood gym. And so uh, training was so easy to have be a part of my day. And then when I transitioned to be a full-time musician and I stopped working at the gym, I couldn't stomach paying for a gym membership after like going to school and having a membership at school and then working at a gym and having a membership. I just couldn't bring myself to pay for a gym membership. So there was a little period of less gym time and I got a little skinnier, but uh, did some stuff at home, but then it never totally went away. You know, it was like, it was uh, just a little, a little period of like, well, I was trying to build up, you know, I was trying to build up my professional career. So there was, there's always a little give and take. So. But yeah, uh, you know, it's been going pretty consistent for like, like nearly 20 years or 20 years ish, which is pretty wild. If I say like general idea, I started at 15 and now I'm almost 35. It's been about 20 years of pretty consistent and at, at least like 15 to 18 of like very consistent.
So I'm curious during that time too, because I think there are a lot of misconceptions about training for musicians and especially the type of training that you do doing like heavier lifting and things like that. Have you ever had any type of injury or setback in there? Or have you been able to stay healthy and not deal with any of that? Yeah, I, I have had little injuries. The most recent one was not actually from training. I was just being an idiot at the park with my kid and I broke my ankle. So that, that totally derailed stuff for a little while. Before that though, even just like sometimes a little tweak in like I had when I was nearly my, probably at my strongest when I was at like maybe 32 or third, yeah, 32 ish was working in my, working out in my um, brother-in-law's like garage gym. And he has this, all this great gear and, and stuff. And I was like really um, going to like my going to going at it with all my kind of powerlifting stuff. And I, it didn't hurt in the moment. Like I was doing squats or something. Didn't hurt in the moment, but the next day my lower back hurt a lot near my hip and I ended up going to like a physical therapist and they were like, oh, you know, you're out of balance here and there and gave me some stuff to work on. But that was kind of also an awakening for me that like the powerlifting moves are awesome for growing your general strength and at least in my mind, like kind of uh, having your body grow proportionally and your strength grow proportionally and be connected. But at the same time, like you don't, like I wasn't get, I don't get any more. I don't, nobody gives me anything. If I can squat 400 pounds, it doesn't, it doesn't actually matter unless it matters to you. And it didn't, like, I didn't, I didn't really care how much, what my number was. And so that's been a big change in my training now is, um, what now my focus is a lot less of like, I'm still trying to build strength, but I'm trying to build strength in, uh, a little bit of a safer way, like less, not, I'm not loading my spine as much. Um, so I, I haven't squatted in, a few years, I think I now just do kind of like dumbbells and single leg stuff, do higher repetitions, less like, again, it doesn't matter what my max is, you know, the, unless you're entering a competition, your max is really irrelevant. Sure. It can be fun to, to test or something as long as you don't hurt yourself. But for me, it's more just about being able to, um, to be able to play with my kid and then hopefully be strong to be able to like age gracefully and play with my kids, kids and um, do the stuff, you know, not be held back by, uh, by myself. So the, my goals have changed. And so my training has changed a little bit and it was actually kind of sparked by a little, a little tweak, a little injury like that. Um, it's just so easy when you're, when you're going near your max to hurt yourself. Yeah, actually, I'm really glad that you brought this up. So of course it sucks that you got hurt. Thankfully it was a minor thing, but the fact that you got this lesson from it, I think is really powerful. And yeah, I, I think that sometimes people think like the only way to get strong is to do the big three, which if anyone's not familiar, that just means back squat, bench press and deadlift. But Will's exactly right. Unless you're competing in a powerlifting meet, which if you want to do that, like that, and that's your thing, that's totally fine. You accept some trade-offs along with that, just like you would training for any athletic pursuit. But if your goal or goals are things like Will said, which is like, you know, feel strong, have the energy and strength to be with your loved ones and do the things you want to do outside the gym, there are actually a lot of ways to do that. Now, we still want to train those big movement patterns. So like, I know I recently saw Will doing, um, like, I think it was a goblet squat with a weighted vest. So like, he's still squatting, right? But he's not squatting with a, a bar in his back. So he's still getting the benefits of the movement, but he's doing it in a way that just works better with his body, which is something that I talk about a lot. And that's, that's what it means. It's we're not like force feeding a specific exercise. We understand that there are a lot of paths to get to the same outcome. And we want to pick the one that is going to feel good on our joints and allow us to keep coming back from the gym. So I'm, Glad that your like little back tweak was was minor, and I'm also glad that you 
um, said what you said, because I think that's a really important thing for people to realize. Hopefully they realize it in a way that's not uh, really catastrophic or anything like that, which, which you didn't, which is good. What, one other thing too, on top of that is the, those big three are, can be really effective for building strength. Um, but again, like having like that much strength, like a bodybuilder or sorry, a power lifter competition strength is really only, only useful in the competition. And so then like, what would the, the, the next goal of like working out is going to be health or like a little bit of vanity too. Right. And when it comes to like actually building your body, doing super heavy bench squat deadlift doesn't actually change like how you take up space. It's not like the greatest muscle building moves. It's great for like a, for maybe like hormonally, you know, like a, like a heavy squat or deadlift is going to turn on all systems go and work together and maybe get you a boost of testosterone or, or a growth hormone or something and have a nice metabolic effect over time. But like the, you know, if I want my quads to grow or if I want my chest to grow, doing bench press is not the best way to do it. Especially, especially holding on to a bar where my, where my, uh, you know, that's going to get put actually way more like stress on my shoulder and, and joints and stuff, as opposed to like make a little adjustment can do it. Like you said, a similar pattern, but do something that is much friendly on the joints, like dumbbells or, or ring push up or something like that that requires a little more stability. And I can still get the same intensity of like a barbell max out but I'm just so much less likely to hurt myself. And, and it's, and the movement pattern is like maybe a little actually more comprehensive, you know, like we get maybe a little more range of motion, the demands, you can still get those high demands. Um, oh, and then, sorry. And then the last point was more muscle growth, <laughs> you know? Yeah. I mean, the barbell bench press is a pretty terrible chest builder. Back squats actually are not really a great quad builder unless you are doing like 20 reps. Yeah. Something like that. Um, so yeah, if you have a muscle, you know, yeah, there's just, there's so much more nuance in, in fitness than often comes across on like social media or even in these like old school uh, magazines and stuff that we all used to read like <laughs> before the internet was around. But yeah, I, I think that specific strength for the power lifts is great if you want to get really good at the power lifts. But if you want to be strong in general, you want to look good and have more energy, have more muscle, like there are probably some other things that you should be doing in your training for sure. So, you know, throughout all this time, essentially 20 years of training, you've been a musician, right? I imagine you were playing trombone before you started working out. And I am very interested in hearing about how, like, so people like you who have a really established fitness practice, how has that impacted you as a musician? And this could be anything that comes to mind. It could be physical, it could be mental, it could be something else. I'm just curious if you've noticed any like direct impacts between the two. Yeah the so the the first thing that comes to my mind is so any musician holding any instrument the holding your instrument is going to compromise your body in some way for brass players usually we're like a little bit more forward or a horn player is going to be out of balance and string players are they you know we're moving our bodies in this like in a repeated motion but also a lot of times in a funky position uh, i see people having injuries or or you know hurting their body's hurting when they're trying to play and that can hold them back from uh, achieving their goals or, or even just enjoying playing. It can make them stop. And so I think that a huge benefit for me is that, you know, like I pick up my trombone and it feels like a feather. It's like not, it doesn't, uh, it doesn't do anything to my body because it's so, such a small percentage of what uh, my body's capable of. So that I think is big. There's, I don't have any playing injuries. 
from these repeat emotions. Granted, trauma is pretty ergonomic, which is nice, but no playing injuries, which is huge, and I'm super thankful for. Other things would be like, I think that a consistent workout routine gives me like, uh, I feel very energized by it. You know, sure, there's there's times in the middle of the workout or or afterward where you're a little tired or, you know, or like you stand up, sit down and like your, your butt's sore from lunges or something. And, but at the same time, it's, I feel very energized and, and powerful and capable. And, and I know that, um, those things help me, uh, help me practice more effectively and help me be, you know, just better, uh, for my, for my, for my work and for, and also for my performing and teaching. And then, um, a huge thing too, is the, when you work out, and you start to see your body change and you see the numbers that you're hopefully tracking changing in, in the way you're hoping for them to change, like your numbers are going up. There's just an incredible power of like self-belief that you have all this evidence of your own capability to do stuff. And whether that is, you know, something as simple as holding a plank a little bit longer or doing a more squat or something, or, or like you just look, uh, your, your body's changing and you see more of your muscles and you feel good, whatever. There's this amazing belief that like, that you can do stuff and you can, and that you can change your, your world a little bit. And that I think bleeds into everything, every area of life. And a lot of times fitness is one of the first places where you can see that, you know, like I can go and practice like crazy on trombone and make progress. But like a lot of times with my trombone practice, the only person really notices my project progress is me. You know, like my wife still thinks it sounds fine. <laughs> you know, like other people at work hardly notice, um, you know, cause they, they don't care how fast I can do something or whatever. They just like, am I balancing? Am I being, you know, a good teammate and stuff like that? That's what they're looking for. And so a lot of my progress in on trombone, it's like, it's really hard to track, um, really hard to notice and the timeline of the progress is so long. You know, you can put, you, you put in 90 days into something consistently in your music practice. And, and like a lot of times, like for 90 days, like you don't really notice anything. And then, and then you kind of start to maybe notice things. And then like a year later or two years later, they're like, oh, now I can do this, which I couldn't do, you know? And I think it was from that. But anyways, it's just so much easier to track your, your progress um, working out because so much evidence and that can be very powerful because anything you go to do, you just believe in yourself more, you know? And if you, even if you're a beginner, you're like, Oh, well I got, you know, I figured out the gym a little bit, you know, like I've, I've changed my body and, and I've gotten stronger. Like I can definitely figure this out. So that's huge. And then, um, tied to that and that, that progress is just the understanding that like, you know, in the gym, there's this thing called periodization. Um, where you like say, let's say hypothetically, I can pick up a hundred pounds. Well, if I went and that was my, for one time, if I, if I pick up that hundred pounds that one time, that's like my maximum, it wouldn't make a lot of sense for me to only go and pick up a hundred pounds one time. Like it would, I, since I'm close to my max, could hurt myself. So many different things, but I could also instead go and pick up 70 pounds a bunch of times and be safer and still get a really good, um, really good challenge, you know, for by adding some repetitions. And then the next time I go, I, maybe I pick up, you know, 75 or 80 pounds and I, I work up to that maximum. And then I kind of reset and you do this like incremental growing process. And it makes it so that you never really have to pick up your max. You can always be living in this sub max realm and, you know, you can change the intensity and 
and different elements of the submax realm. But if you're living in that realm, you can always feel like you're winning and always feel like you're making progress, but in a safe way, in a healthy, safe way. I found that I've applying that to music has been really helpful. Actually, Ryan Beach showed me a lot or kind of got me thinking this way in terms of training my training some excerpts or training some uh, studies and choosing a goal tempo and then having instead of starting at that goal and just trying to go for it right away purposely starting in a submax place having a certain amount of repetitions i'm i'm working towards and then putting it away coming back a couple days later increasing the challenge a little bit and working my way up so that again i'm always feel like i'm winning and um, i'm building a much more of a foundation so that when the the red lights on or the perform the bright lights are on and performing and and i and you have to you're reverting back to your old habits um, or you have some extra pressures or something weighing on you you've got that foundation to uh to fall back on and and that belief that like oh yeah i did the 70 percent 80 percent 90 percent practice i did that like I, i've been ready for this for months you know and then now i get to just enjoy so that's been great for my for my tromboning and, and music music progress too yeah i love all that i actually had ryan on the show a couple of months ago and when i was preparing to talk to him i listened to some of the episodes of his podcast where he outlines his method for practicing in that way and it like blew my mind because as someone who works in fitness the concept of periodization and those things make a lot of sense to me and I felt like when I was in music for a variety of reasons, a lot of my practice was very disorganized, perhaps. And I feel like having that type of a system would have really helped. Totally. And I love that concept in general. Like when I was talking to Northwestern trombone students last month about strength training and one of the benefits, I said that I think it's really good to have something outside of music where you can practice a lot of the same like mental skills, organizational skills that you apply to music, because like you said, sometimes with music, especially when you're at an advanced level, you're at a professional level, the progress is slow and it can be, it's not as objective necessarily as I lifted more weight or I added an inch to my leg or, you know, muscle or something like that. And I think it's healthy to have, have something outside of music. You can put music away. And it's not like your only thing. It's not your sole source of identity. And at the same time, you can be challenging yourself in this way. You can be organizing, you can be learning, you can be dealing with the same kinds of mental hangups that present themselves in music, but in a, in a different space. So yeah, as I've gotten older, I actually think that that is one of the biggest benefits of training for musicians. It's sort of like the mental game and the organization and the mindset stuff that goes along with it that you can then take back to the horn and you're not only practicing all the time, which sometimes can be like a lot to handle and to deal with. So I, I love that you said that and that you laid it out in that way. Also, especially the, one of the huge benefits of Ryan's programs that I've found is like, so of course, uh, thoughtful, slower practice helps you build the foundation to be to be better uh, to perform better and also to be confident when you get to full speed for sure but one of the biggest things that I found was a biggest benefit was when you create a program like that there is an end point every day like when you are in again you're talking about like objectivity in, in music when you're you know like you come to Northwestern you look around and everybody at the stu in the studio is just amazing just killing it and like i showed up to northwestern i felt so behind everyone i felt so behind so so i and then you go into the practice room and it's like what am i going to do and there's this there's infinite options and there's this massive mount everest to climb and at the top is like mulcahy you know like looking like yoda 
And um, it's really hard to, when you have this Mount Everest and also infinite options, to be happy with your day when you're done. Because you, you, no matter how much progress you make, you look up and you're like, oh, I've taken one step up the mountain. I have so much left to do and I have so many things I haven't done yet and so much growth I need to do. You just feel it's really easy, at least I felt. I, I got really depressed. I felt like um, I felt like I was losing. You know, I was there was no way I was ever going to get up the mountain. And had I, and then when I started doing what Ryan uh, Ryan's recommendations, I did it for a couple auditions, and I did well in the auditions. I don't need, I don't think I won, but I did really well, and I felt super confident, and I made a lot of progress in the thing. But I felt like I was winning every day because I had my plan. It was like I'm going to do these excerpts at whatever seventy percent. And this sort of incremental, this periodization for the day. And when I finished, it was like, I'm done. Pack up the horn, like go do something else. And I felt such a like amazing sense of, of like victory, um, just executing my plan. And so it was, it's a good example of like a kind of like a systems versus goals thing where like, if you have that great system and you can really commit to it, you can win every day. And then the goal kind of takes care of itself rather than only staring at the goal and being paralyzed and, and, and you're failing until maybe you get it. Uh, you, it was just such a powerful thing. So I, I love that, uh, you know, it's, you're still doing the work, potentially the same amount of work, maybe more, maybe less. A lot of times it's less because you're more organized, but you're still doing the work, but you feel like you win every day. And that is just, I, I try to give that to my students now as much as quickly as possible, you know, like in, in middle school and high school, like, Hey, you can like this scale you're working on. You don't have to do it for 20 minutes or for forever or however many reps, like you can just give yourself five reps, you know, how about let's do three reps at this tempo and two reps at this tempo and one at the other tempo. Next time you come up, we're going to start just a little higher. But once you hit those five reps, like you're done, do something else. You've done the work. It's just provides such clarity compared to before. Like, I love the analogy of the mountain. I actually felt very, very similar. And, you know, there's obviously an element of music that is sort of artistic and beyond the nuts and bolts of this type of system. But it, but in terms of like playing your scales, playing your excerpts like that, that side of playing the more mechanical side, it, this stuff just works so well. And you can take these like well-researched concepts in fitness and just apply them to music in this way. And it just like, it helps so much. So I'm glad to hear you're helping your students with that. And I know Ryan does as well, because yeah, I just think that there's a probably a much better way to practice than a lot of people are doing. And it doesn't have to be so ambiguous and, and amorphous. You can have this added structure. Yeah. I, I remember being in, in high school and even in college and thinking that if I, if I practiced for less than an hour, it almost like didn't count. And there was just this like, I don't know, probably my first teacher kind of put that like trying to practice an hour a day. And un unknowingly, she, uh, I, you know, planned in the back of my mind, I felt like I was failing if I didn't do that. But really, in reality, as long as I was focused on a specific goal, like I can make progress in five minutes. And that's that. Uh, yeah, there's merit and merit to that. You know, sometimes you only have five minutes and that's OK, you know, and you can you can get some stuff done and then you can come back or not, you know, but you still no one can take that progress away from yeah. you. And so that's that was a really special kind of concept that that uh, that Ryan gave to me. I, I love it. Yeah, so. so good. 
So we talked earlier about all the things you have going on. You're playing in orchestras, you're teaching. Um, I imagine you have some other freelancing and gigs and things that you do. Plus you have a young family. And I think that one of the biggest challenges I see when I work with musicians, especially is like how to fit in fitness in the context of everything going on, especially because a lot of people have really varied schedules, which is something I can relate to as a trainer. But, uh, you know, when you're playing a gig over here and you have a rehearsal over here and like you don't have a necessarily a set routine with your job and you also have a lot of responsibilities, you have practice, you have personal life. So I want to hear how you who have clearly prioritized fitness um, a lot, at least over the long term, like how do you make it work? Like what's sort of your strategy for making time for fitness, for prioritizing it? And what does that look like for you? So the, it's changed over time, you know, for a long time, fitness was, was higher up on the priority list because I didn't have family and I, um, and I didn't have, well, a lot of the stuff now I didn't have to like make money to pay my rent and things, you know? Um, so fitness was much higher and it was so much easier to be really consistent. Um, and so that's a little bit why, like, I kind of laugh, like on, on social media, you see like all these, there's a lot of, you know, 20 something year old, like super Jack dudes telling you that, Oh, just do this program. And it's like, well, we bro. all have the same 24 hours in the day, stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like, Oh, you're right. You know, but like you, uh, and we do have the same 24 hours in a day, but, but you, you know, you, you have half the responsibilities. It's so much easier to, to prioritize. So with the stuff you talked about, like fitness truly has actually gone quite, uh, has gone a lot lower. I'm definitely not in any sort of like building mode for a competition or anything, you know, or like I'm not, I'm way, I, I would bet I'm way less, I, I, I work out way less than most people think that I do. Um, actually, I'm, I'm positive about that because I, I get people saying all the time, like, oh, well, you do this all the time. And I'm like, oh, I lift like maybe three times a week, more like two. Um, and, you know, there will be streaks where there will be some time where I don't uh, – where work is a little bit less and I can be more consistent and do three or sometimes four. But like most weeks, I'm doing like two workouts or maybe three. And then there's also times where that's less. Yeah. So the short answer is I actually probably do less than most people think. Um, I, but I think that I do, when I do my exercise, I think I do the right things, um, in terms of like, uh, intensity and, and like also like exercise selection, like the stuff that works, you know, spending the time on the things that actually give me the results I'm looking for. The other thing is I like, um, well, I try to like involve my son a little bit. So that helps. Like sometimes um, he'll like come into the garage with me and do some workouts and stuff. Or I do workouts like he'll be eating lunch or something or he'll watch a show for a little bit. And and like <clears throat> I can get in um, some of my stuff. I also, it does really help. I have equipment at home. I have like a, I have an adjustable bench and dumbbells up to 90. Uh, like a set of power blocks, two sets of power blocks, a small one and a big one. Um, like, I mean, I've been collecting since... 2012 little you know little nuggets here some bands some uh like i said a bench a pull-up bar or whatever things like that so that helps that i don't have to go anywhere to do my workouts that's huge when i'm most consistent like if i wanted to be super consistent i would just wake up early and do it before he wakes up and before my other things happen but more recently since fitness is a i've was lucky to focus on it for a long time. I can kind of enjoy that and just kind of put it on maintenance mode because right now my main goal is to try to win a full-time position in an orchestra. And so like I, I have been waking up to get ahead in life, but 
I wake up and I go to a, a garage, uh, a parking garage, and I do my music fundamentals before my son wakes up. So that, you know, even if I never get back to the horn that day, I've at least done my routine that is going to allow me to sound good when I'm at work and then just create that base for then hopefully as I, you know, create more blocks of time to, to build on and to grow. Yeah. So fitness is a little bit lower to be totally honest. Like, uh, it goes in, goes in waves. Um, I like try not to beat myself up. Um, but take advantage of the time when I have it. The other thing is I used to have long, do longer workouts with more and more sets, but I've seen a lot of research lately about like, how potentially powerful, like just put in its most extreme version, one set to failure can be. I, there's a, a, a guy on Twitter, um, P.D. Mangan, I think is his name, I, if I pronounce it right. But he's like 65 and he works out twice a week for less than 30 minutes each time. And he does like 10 exercises, one set to failure each time. And he has visible muscles. And he, when he was 60, he didn't work out at all. He was like a skinny kind of nerdy looking dude. And now he has legit visible muscles from just a few years of twice a week, one set to failure. And so I have like a example, visual example, but then I've seen a bunch of research about this. So <clears throat> rather than doing a lot of sets, I typically do less sets. I think I get myself closer to that failure point. Using the equipment I have, that tends to be mean a little bit higher repetitions, but uh, that's okay. And um, I think as long as I'm getting to like a certain intensity threshold, you know, two sets on a movement is, is actually enough. So if like something like uh, legs, which I find I try to prioritize maybe three sets, but that really helps um, me get it in. I think, you know, if I was trying to do four sets of this and four sets of that and four sets of that, I wouldn't have enough time to, to do it. So slightly, slightly shorter, slightly more intense, slightly spaced out, you know, day to day situation but that's how i do it yeah just work it in the gaps yeah so i mean you're you i know that it sounds like at least you wish maybe there you could do more in some sense but actually what i think what you said is so awesome and i think it speaks to so many important things so first of all just the the fact that even though you have a lot going on and you have a really big goal that takes a lot of time, which is winning a job, and also you have a, a little kid and another one on the way, which take a lot of time, like you are still making time for what you can. And I think some people struggle because if they're they're waiting for things to be less busy, easier. Yes. And I, I just feel like as you get older, until you're like retired, I feel like the, that doesn't really happen, <laughs> to be honest. Like you'll you'll go in waves, of course, where things are more intense and then things chill out a little. But there's like for most working adults, there's never going to be a time that's perfect where everything is in alignment and you can prioritize fitness above all else. Like I really do think for most people that time is like a college <laughs> to some extent, depending on what you what you studied and what you had going on, if you had to work and things like that. But so, you know, you're working out twice a week, even though you're really busy and you are basically doing that more or less consistently. I know you had some time that you had to take off. You were on tour and things like that. You're on vacation, you know, enjoying Europe, but you come back and you get back right back into it and you're able to. And like, that's the power of all those years that you had done of training maybe more frequently is that you, first of all, you understand how to like organize your week so that you can make time for it. You definitely understand how to make the most of your workouts as you're explaining what you do. You're not doing a lot of filler stuff. You know, you're really getting right to the the meat of it. Um, and also you, you just have an identity as someone who values fitness and who exercises and that's important to you. And so you find a way to make it work. And like that, I feel like 
most musicians are not going <laughs> to compete at a high level in any type of strength sport or physique sport or, or even like an endurance sport or something like that. We need fitness to work within the context of the rest of our lives. So the fact that you're you're modeling that, even when you have a lot going on, I think is really admirable. And I think honestly, that's what most people should strive for, not striving for like, I'm gonna really, really push myself. It's I'm gonna push myself, I'm gonna show up consistently in the time I have, and then I'm gonna like get on with my life. And yeah, too, the, the fact that you, I do think there's value in the high intensity training for sure. And I think that also for most people is probably easier when they have trained consistently because you understand like what that even means. If someone's brand new to the gym and they try to go to failure, like they don't even have any concept of that. So again, if you aren't exercising and you're listening to this, all the more reason to start now, because once you've been doing it more consistently, you just have the ability to like get more out of less, I feel like, and you also have much better concept of what's actually important. And that's really what Will just explained when he was telling you what he's doing. So I actually really love your answer. And I think that's great. <laughs> Thanks. Well, and the other thing too, is like, I've found that it's really is, I mean, I've been doing it for years. It is essential for me, for to my personal happiness. Um, and like, I mean, if you ask my wife, like if, if I don't work out for a week, she's like, you're an asshole. You like suck to be around because I like, I, I need to, I need to do something or else I have like a bunch of extra energy and I feel, I feel like weak. And, uh, you know, I'm sure some of that is mental, but the, um, but I'm not nearly as, as happy and as fun to be around if I haven't worked out in at least like in a couple of days. So the, um, so it's really essential to me or for, for others, for the sake of others too, for me to do something like that. Uh, I just feel so much better. I feel so much more like capable and powerful and happy. Yeah. So, so essential. The important thing, like you said, the important things in life, people potentially having, trying to wait till things are perfect. Yeah. There's never a perfect time. Things, everything gets more busy that, you know, for anything that's really big and important. Like I found that that was the case for, um, like deciding to get like real big decisions, deciding to get married, deciding to have kids, deciding to leave Chicago and like leave all my work and start over in California. There were certain things that like I would, you're never ever going to feel ready for. And, but like, if they're really important to your life, you just eventually, you just need to pull the trigger and do it. And then the, there's a certain, like, it was like the first time that I experienced this um, was when I finally like quit that gym job and went full in on music that decision was really scary because I didn't have like uh, this, you know, I couldn't potentially pick up a shift and get a little extra money, but like, and the power, but the power of that decision, like the mindset and like the commitment that I made to then like go full on music doors open for me that I didn't know existed. Similar with like the, the decision to like take the leap and move back to California. There were doors, opportunities came that I didn't know existed. And I think it sounds a little woo woo, but like when you make that decision and that commitment, like the universe bends to your will. You know, the universe wants things to work out for you, but you really do have to like commit. You really have to do it. And, you know, like we know we want kids and I can't, we can't afford more kids, but like we know we want a family. So we, we just decided like, it's, you know, it's time. It's time to uh, like, we want our, we had like an ideal spacing. A lot of times people have kids a little closer together, or sometimes wider apart. But we knew like we want to have more kids and you know my wife is 35 also it's like now's the time like do we know what we're gonna do like shoot in when she go has to go back to work after that second kid comes nope but i've got x amount of months to figure it out and 
we're going to figure it out because it's important to us. Yeah, I feel like I'm not a parent, but I feel like parenting is like the ultimate example of you like leap and the net appears like nobody really knows how yeah. how they're, what they're going to do yeah. or how it's all going to go down. But you just like you it's important to you and you do it and you like learn as you go and that can be applied. Absolutely. I mean, a lot of, all of these big important things have lessons that overlap, right? Yeah. Your your artistic career, your your health and fitness, your family life, whatever, like you can grow in each area and the lessons inform the others. Definitely. So that's a nice transition into a question that we've kind of talked about a little bit, but I'm curious, like these days, what is most motivating to you when it comes to working out, taking care of your health? I know when you were 13, 14, you know, you wanted to look better and that's how most people get into fitness, to be honest, but that tends to change as we get older and as life responsibilities change. So like, what is most motivating to you right now? It's a mixture of things. I kind of already said, like, I want to you know, kind of age gracefully and be capable as I get older to play with my kid and play with hopefully my kids' kids. So that's big. And uh, also just not only that, to like set an example for for them uh, as to like what is possible, you know, for uh, that they hopefully grow up seeing healthy parents and they want to be healthy and capable themselves. So that's a big motivator. Also, I mentioned, I just feel so much better when I do it. It's really hard for me to like, you know, like if there was a magic pill that made you made you feel good all the time, like you, you'd probably take it. And I, for me, I know that that is just a little bit of of exercise, <laughs> you know, like a, or some some strength training. At least for me, um, I know that that magic pill exists. I know exactly what it, what it is. And uh, so, why would I not take it? It just, I love it. So, um, so that's fun, or that's a huge reason. Also. I mentioned my brother, you know, my brother was a professional, ended up being a professional athlete, professional baseball player. Who did he play for? He played for, so he got drafted by the A's, then he made the big leagues with the Marlins. And then he, after a few years with the Marlins, he went to the Padres and then the Cubs. We actually had a year when he was on the Cubs and I lived, I could walk to Wrigley. It was like a 20 minute walk, but I could potentially walk to Wrigley. And we lived in, we lived in Chicago at the same time obviously, uh, for the first time since I was 12, when he moved away from college, I was 25 and we lived like a five, you know, a two minute drive from each other. It was so fun. Yeah. But like, so having a, you know, like a, a total badass brother, I, I like, I don't want to be like the little, the little weak kid. So there's like that motivation actually building on that. My, uh, so my brother and my wife's brother is a police officer. And then me and my, uh, my, Sorry, my sister's brother's police officer. My wife's brothers, they do their own stuff. But we have a five-person text thread called the Swole Patrol, and uh, which is pretty silly. But we just like you know we we motivate each other. We send like uh, sometimes it's just it's silly memes, but mostly it's uh, you know you do a workout, you drop it in the Swole Patrol, and like you get five people cheering you on, and uh, also you see them doing stuff, and you're like, oh man, like I want to get after it a little bit. So there's. I have like my I've built like a, a digital network, even though we're spread out of um, supporting each other. That's big. And then there, I think there's just like, you know, like I was mentioning John or my brother, you know, he has, he reached like the big leagues, um, like the highest level of his sport and, you know, desire, he has this burning desire to be excellent in everything he apply, that he does. And, and I'm trying to reach the big leagues in music. And the, uh, I think that that, that, you know, that spills into, your every area of life is just a desire to be excellent, to not be average. You know, your average person, your average 40 year old today is, is obese. And like, I don't want to be that. I want to be, I want to be 
uh, I want to be excellent, or at least my best self, if I can. So, um, so there's that little bit of desire, or that that kind of desire in the back um, to to be great, or, or to be my best, and to um, to feel good, be a good example, all that stuff, be capable. Yeah, that's a lot of really powerful stuff. I like the Swole Patrol. I, I think that even if you're someone who likes to work out alone, which is me, it's nice to have community, to have cheerleaders, have people that get it, or you can give each other shit or whatever. That makes yes. it a lot more fun for sure. Absolutely. So we're kind of coming to the end of our time here. I would love to hear, so as someone who is a professional musician, has spent a lot of time around musicians and also is really into fitness, I'm curious if you think there are any like big misconceptions about fitness in the music world. So as a little backstory, when we were in school, I feel like there were a lot of these things. I feel like it has gotten better. Actually, I feel like more musicians are doing strength training, are doing some of this stuff, but um, I think probably not as many as should be. <laughs> and I'm just curious, as someone who's in the music world, if you kind of encounter any of these sort of like misconceptions or if you think there's anything that um, you wish musicians knew about health and fitness. Mm. Um, yeah, so the, yeah, I, I do agree that I think that there maybe were more in like 2012 than there are now. Like some things have gotten kind of debunked, but even if things get debunked to like the people that are in the community, it's, it's like, it takes a long time for the, you know, for ideas to spread and, and then for people to even believe them. But I think the biggest thing is just that like doing something meaningful doesn't take as much time as one might think. I think that, you know, anybody, so, and you also said like maybe as many people should work out. I think until the number is a hundred percent, you know, like there's still more people that could, cause I do, I do agree with you. I was trying to say yeah, it in like a nice way, but, yeah. but I, I do agree. Yeah. Strength training should, I think it can be a part of any person's life. It would, and it, and it could, uh, and it would improve any person's life, but something as simple as, uh, you know, you could spend less than 10 minutes or maybe 10 minutes a day. But if you had a rotation of like one day, I'm going to do as many push-ups as I can, whatever ver variation that is uh, possible to you at your current level, I'm going to do as many push-ups as I can, break it into as many sets. Just have your, your push-up day. And it, you could, you could try to cram it into 10 minutes with a little rest, or you could just do, you know, sets of five all day long or sets of two all day long. And then the next day is, uh, so you, that was your horizontal push. The next day is going to be like your pull or something or, or a leg thing. But if you just do one exercise a day and just have it be hit all, hit the movement patterns and go in a cycle, that would improve your life. You would get stronger, you know, as long as you, as long as you are doing enough to make it challenging, you would get stronger and everybody would feel better. So I think that, so that, the big thing, is, or that first one, is just that uh, it can take a lot less time than most people think. A lot of people think, again, it's like this massive mountain. It's going to take hours and hours every day. But it could take, uh, you know, fitness Fitness could mean, or getting stronger, strength training could mean 15 minutes a day or 20 minutes every other day. Or like that guy I mentioned, 25 minutes twice a week. So that uh, is huge. Also eating, eating to support, to eating is a huge um, probably the biggest driver of your body composition. Uh, like you don't have to be, um, you know, working super hard to get like whether you're running or working out, uh, doing strength training, you don't have to be doing a ton of that to get leaner and healthier and a healthier body composition. Most of it is through eating and eating can be very simple. I think it can be summarized in as simple as simply as just like making sure most meals are, or most, if not all meals are protein dominant. 
period. If, you're, if your protein matches your carbs or is a little higher than your carbs in a meal, over time, you're probably going to be fine. Uh, it's really hard. Protein is very filling. And also, it, you're, uh, especially if you're eating from whole food sources like chicken and beef and pork and eggs and things like that, it, it takes energy for your body to burn it. So if you take in X amount of calories, you're actually, you're going to net less than X at the end of the day because it takes energy to break that protein up and send it all around your body and use it. So the more protein you eat, the less hungry you'll be and the, the less calories you'll actually end up with at the end of the day, which over time, again, a long time, you will slowly trim down and be healthier <clears throat> in a lot of ways. So that's huge. So simple, just protein dominant. I eat everything now. I've gone through those stretches of being like super, super uh, strict and uh, never worth it. Never been worth it. Way more stress than it's worth. Now I eat everything and uh, just try to be protein dominant and think, don't have to think about it. So that's huge. Those are my biggest things. It can take a lot less time and eating protein dominant. Yeah, those are both good ones. Super simple. I, I mean, I'm a big fan of protein, of course, but I especially love the first one because it's kind of like you said with practice, I think a lot of people are like, if I can't work out for an hour, then I might as well not even bother. But like, if you actually think about that, it's such a ridiculous concept. Like, why, where did that one hour number come from? And like, why would you think that less wouldn't be beneficial? So I think that if you're really busy uh, embracing even the type of workouts that you said, which I've done with a lot of clients, where it's like little bursts of literally like two, two or three sets of something throughout the day, like most people can fit that in. Mm -hmm. I, I would say everybody can fit that in, to mm -hmm. be honest. And like, if you're not doing anything, that's like already 100% better than what you were doing and you'll, you'll see progress. So it does not have to be hours and hours of training. Yeah. You know, it can be, it can be really simple. Absolutely. And yeah, eat your protein for sure. <laughs> yeah, it's just so simple. Well, thank you, Will. This was a lot of fun. Um, I would love for you to share if people want to find out more about you, connect with you in some way, like where can they find you? Where can they do that? Yeah, the I'm very findable online. Um, if you Google Will Baker Music, you'll find me uh, website as well as and Will Baker Music at gmail.com is an email, um, and then Facebook and Instagram both have uh, have accounts. Um, Instagram Will Baker Music is a, is pretty big, uh, or well, big-ish. Although I don't do a whole lot with it as much anymore. I'm trying to focus on real world things. Uh, more more than anything else, um, but very easy, very to search online. That's that. Or if you want to come to, if you find yourself in the Bay Area and want to come to a concert, uh, you can sometimes find me at uh, Davy Symphony Hall. <laughs> sometimes find me in Monterey with the uh, Monterey Symphony. So those are those are two good places to look. Yeah, you should definitely do that if you're in uh, NorCal for sure. <laughs> um, all right, well, well, thank you so much for speaking to me, and thank you everybody listening. I will see you on the next episode. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Building Stronger Creatives. If something you heard resonated with you, I would love for you to share this episode with someone else who might enjoy it. I also always appreciate comments, ratings, and reviews. These things help me get the word out to other creatives who could benefit from this type of information. See you back on the next episode. Until then, stay curious, stay passionate, and stay strong.